Welcome to Jewish Songwriter, the podcast by, for, and about Jewish songwriters. I'm your host, Sheldon Lowe, and each week I interview a different Jewish songwriter to learn a little bit about their music, their lives, and their writing process. These songwriters are some of my favorite people, and I'm excited to talk to them, draw inspiration, and to share it all with you. If you're like me, you're constantly looking for new Jewish music, so I've asked each writer to share about a new song which you'll be able to hear in full on the Jewish Songwriter Spotify playlist and YouTube channel. Best of all, if you subscribe to this podcast, it'll automatically download to your device each week for free. This week's Jewish Songwriter is Noah Aronson. Welcome to Jewish Songwriter, Noah. Nice to be here. Thank you for coming all the way up to East Harlem to be with me. (laughs) So I feel like first thing that our listeners want to know is just like a little bit about you. Can you tell us about your journey to becoming, say, a Jewish songwriter? Yeah, I would say, I'm not sure exactly when the journey started. Cause Let's start like when you started. When I started <laughs> doing Jewish music, specifically Jewish music. I was actually asking when you existed in the, when you started in the world. In the start, in the, oh, yeah, when I started. All the way at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was born in uh, South Orange, New Jersey in uh, September of 1983. Nice. It was a stormy day. Yes. And <laughs> um, my father was a cantor in a reformed congregation, South Orange, New Jersey. Uh, he served in that community for 50 years and uh, really kind of had a big, long legacy um, of creativity and new music. And, and so a lot of... And of where I am today was because of who he who he is and and the career that he had and established there for such a long time. He was in a congregation called Shari Tefillah Israel in South Orange, mm-hmm. and uh, and I went to Solomon Schechter Day School. Mm-hmm. And so there was a little bit of a disjunct for me, uh, just like religiously, because it was almost like I was conservative during the week and reform on the weekends. That's funny. And so there was a little bit of a, a back and forth. But I actually think that that served me well in my in my lifetime because I I found that I really um, had a really strong uh, grasp of prayer and and Hebrew and Torah, um, so that when I decided to you know eventually make Jewish music my my career and become a professional Jewish you know uh, educator and musician, the um, the content was already kind of already totally. within me. And then I started at Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And, Great school. Um, I was there for their theater program. I was doing theater and dance at the time. Um, but I was spending, I found myself in the first year spending most of my time in the practice room playing piano and, you know, joining the jazz band and being more, hanging out more with the musicians than with the theater kids. Mm-hmm. And so by my second year, I knew that uh, music was really kind of the path for me. And so I decided to transfer school. So I went to Berkeley College of Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I moved myself up to Boston and spent uh, a couple of years finishing up my undergrad in Berkeley College of Music in Boston mm-hmm. and studied jazz composition and piano. And uh, while I was there, I started working at a congregation called Beth Elohim in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had family friends who went to that congregation and they helped me kind of set up a meeting with the educators there so that, um, you know, I wanted to make some extra money on the weekends. And so I started teaching the um, religious school program on Sunday mornings. And really, long story short, uh, <laughs> you know, I I was, I still am affiliated with that congregation, even though I live in Brooklyn, right. in Brooklyn now, but it's been a 12 year long relationship. And that's amazing. And it's, uh, it's really how I got my, my professional start mm-hmm. in the Jewish music world. Yeah. I mean, I have that with Barnard Temple in uh, uh-huh. Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, yeah. where pretty much right out of college, I started there and it became a home. It became a place for me to grow and develop and learn from, you know, amazing clergy there and, and staff there. You know, Rabbi I think if we're, yeah. If we're talking about, um, you know, how this 
type of interview could be helpful for others who are coming up and yeah. really trying to make their, Very their way. Um, I really can't stress enough how important it is to actually work in a community, but I do think it's important to really be working in the in the field and getting your hands dirty, so to 100%. speak. 100%. Yeah. I want to get back to the story about when you decided to make Jewish music part of your path. And I just have to throw this out there because when I met you, you and Hadar actually yeah. knew each other from Berkeley. Right. And as Hadar tells it, basically you helped her pass all of her <laughs> classes. <laughs> but also you guys were playing in Josh Nelson's um, right. band. Yeah. And I'm curious to know if at that point, had you already decided you wanted to make Jewish music your path? So Hadar and I were at Berkeley together, and then I met you, I think it was New Hampshire or Connecticut. It was something some like that, yeah. New England gig. And uh, I was playing in Josh's band at the time. I was playing keyboards for him. Um, and he was really kind of just getting started as his own solo musician at right. that point. And I remember all the songs that he, you know, we had to learn in rehearsal for him. But at the time, I really was not thinking about a career for myself in Jewish music. Mm. I was still kind of thinking of it as, okay, I'm doing this gig right now. And I'm, you know, and Josh, it's awesome that Josh is doing his thing, but I'm the keyboard guy for this band. But mm-hmm. my my sights were set on other things at the time, um, musically. Um, I wanted to write music for film. I wanted to write music for television. And and I, you know, I spent some time in, in the theater world, writing musical theater music. And so that was kind of what I thought I was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Jewish music thing kind of evolved naturally over time for me. A lot of it had to do with uh, cantor Jody Suffren, who was the cantor at uh, the congregation in Wellesley. Mm-hmm. She she just kept pulling me in more and more and more. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you would know that yep. from, you know, from having worked in a congregation. Mm-hmm. And and when, when a cantor really is able to not not necessarily be threatened by another musician being there, but but cultivate someone else's talent and open and be open to that. That it's an amazing relationship that can mm-hmm. be formed um, between you know cantor and song leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would always be like, "Hey, you know what? Why don't you write a setting of this? Or why don't you try this out? Or you know, it would be." And then I would, or then I would come to her and I say, "I have this melody," and she's like, "Oh, let's sit with it and let's see what we can do." And she wow. was always constantly just encouraging it. And wow. then she's like, okay, let's try that this Friday night. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was like, really? Oh my gosh, that, that's too new. It's too soon. And she was just constantly supporting it. Um, hmm. I was her accompanist for a while. And then every now and then I would throw in one of my, you know, arrangements or things like that. And then, and then I started singing and playing. So I wasn't really leading at a time, but I was kind of, I found myself leading from the piano. Mm-hmm. Um, that job of being the accompanist, mm-hmm. that was a huge learning experience for me in terms of, understanding the flow of, of, you know, Shabbat tefillah in a reform synagogue mm-hmm. and knowing how to support someone else and also support the whole congregation kind of because you're setting the groove and the tempo and you're setting right. the tone of what these pieces feel like. Um, so that was really important learning for me, um, mm. you know, for all those years of, of doing that work. Um, and then, you know, at, I started playing more guitar when I was working in the religious school because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to go from room to room with a guitar, but piano was still my main instrument at the time. Um, I want to talk about Aneni a little bit. Mm-hmm. So this Aneni is from your your release from back in December. Mm-hmm. And um, for all, any of our listeners that uh, may not be familiar with it, can you give us a little bit of information about it and its inspiration? Sure. Um, Aneni is probably a good example of kind of how I have been crafting music for, you know, Jewish communities lately. It's got a source text 
um, from Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the Hebrew that grounds it, and there's the this you know the rooted in this you know two thousand or twenty five hundred year old text. So it's got the 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 keva, you know, the fixed tradition of our of our liturgy, and then it has a refrain that is intended for you know congregational uplift and for people to really be a, a piece that people can just link in on because mm-hmm. there's a lot of Hebrew in the first part of it, so that right. might not necessarily be as easy to to to, to grab onto. So there's that ref- refrain that just kind of. Gets that opens your heart and bypasses any sort of oh oh gosh I don't know what this means mm-hmm. I can't sing this so you just sing the same word anani yeah it's anani. like a mantra yeah answer me anani anani mm-hmm. answer me um, and then there's an English section which the first half of it is like a rough translation of the text and the second half is in like a, a more interpretive mm-hmm. um, and and makes it personal um, so it it combines a lot of the stuff that I have been trying to do with with Jewish music it's you know putting my voice into it being in communication with the text mm-hmm. and um and making it usable and what about the children and, and then, oh right in so the middle then, of the song yeah that's a whole nother thing yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> so, the part i want to know about <laughs> and so yeah i wanted it to be um kind of an open opportunity for people to express spontaneous prayer so stepping back the where this came from uh, was I was in Prague and I was b- traveling by myself and I was in like a dark place in my life and I was just kind of lost and lonely and I was walking around the city and the city was beautiful but I was just all in my head and mm. I couldn't get out of my head um, and I just couldn't figure out you know how to get myself um, to a more joyful light-hearted place mm-hmm. um, and this melody kind of started coming to me and so as I was walking through the streets the melody was was coming to me um, and then later that night, I couldn't fall asleep. My head was racing with a million thoughts. And and then I tried for the first time just spontaneous prayer to the universe. Mm. Now, I grew up going to Solomon Schechter, and I had a dad who was a cantor, and, and I thought I knew what prayer was. I mm. thought prayer was this, you know, the ashray and the hallelujahs and all of the, and the baruch and the shema and all the things that we've been given. But I never really knew that we had permission to just start openly having a conversation sure. with the universe and and i never really tried it before um and this was out loud this was out loud hmm. like just in my hotel room mm-hmm. completely just by myself and just out loud asking for help mm-hmm. you know just i need i need help right now mm-hmm. um and within minutes like the the wafting over me of just like feeling comforted and feeling like surrounded by loving energy and being surrounded by like there's there's I'm not alone here like there a mm. lot of those feelings came rushing to me at that point and that was like 2 years ago now and I I've been doing an out loud sort of prayer experience pretty much every day um in the morning and then in the evening there's just and and, and that has really just been a spontaneous prayer mm-hmm. um and you know, I, I know a lot of the the prayers that we have been pat that have been passed down, but I I really have been liking this just kind of spontaneous whatever comes out of my mouth sure. sort of sort of experience, um, and and trying and trying that out for for really connecting. And so when I when that was I, the original prayer, right, right? before right. this was all canonized and exactly. put into a seed door, that was prayer. Yeah, the uh, the printing press was one of the best inventions, but also one of the right. you know, most challenging things that we had it to face. It definitely put a yeah. you know a a wall up in yeah. some ways. Yeah. So, um, just for any listeners, educators, cantors who want to use this, do you have any tips to offer them? 
Um, yeah, maybe start with just asking people to to create their spontaneous prayer. Mm. Um, what is their their prayer? What if they could make up their own prayer? What would it be? Mm-hmm. And what if you're if you're thinking and you and you tell them, you know, if you feel like you're in a narrow place and you want your answer to come from just opening up your eyes to the universe, you know, what would be your prayer to the mm. universe? Your prayer to the world? Yeah. Um. And and especially with children, I mean, they're they they'll know yeah. what to say immediately with uh-huh. that. We're the ones who have a little bit of harder time opening up to that right. sort of reflection. The kids are already, yeah, yeah, the kids are there. And I so, could, yeah, I was just going to say, I could see you even just doing the Anani mm-hmm. and in between Ananis, you have a uh, someone offer their mm-hmm. personal prayer. Yeah. Um, and maybe, I mean, I think Central Synagogue uses it as like a Misha Berach moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of using, you know, a song for Misha Berach with the words of healing, they'll just do the Aneni and the Min HaMetzar part, and then they'll they'll open it up and they'll mm. kind of vamp the Aneni part yeah. while the congregation brings their prayers of healing and things mm. like that. So there are many ways of using it um, that I, I'm, I didn't even think of originally, yeah. and people are being really creative with it. Yeah. That's awesome when that happens. Yeah. Do you have any other exercises or good just tips for other songwriters um learn to use a daw a digital audio workstation mm-hmm. um like logic or pro tools or ableton mm-hmm. or GarageBand. um that learning was really pivotal for me because mm. it allows you to create your own demos and you don't have to rely on um other people to record you mm-hmm. um i mean also Voice memos works really great on your phone as well yep. for recording ideas. But what you can do on the you know GarageBand or the workstation, you know the larger, more professional workstations, is really develop ideas more, and you can hear the harmonies more, and you can really do multi-track recording. Um, but just learning how to play to a click and learn all of those things have happened for me in the last ten, fifteen years as I learned how to develop recording techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, which so now I you know. It, uh, to me, it feels like the computer is one of the instruments that I know how to play, mm-hmm. and it's um, at first the instrument's going to be more, much more powerful than yeah. you are, and it's going to define your music writing, mm-hmm. and that's okay for the first little bit. But eventually, you learn the software well enough to know how to manipulate it to what you want it to be. Um, so you have to kind of get past that first stage of it. But um, that's it's a really important, powerful tool, especially these days. You know, if you're going into the recording studio and you're going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, you don't want to do all of your experimentation in the recording studio when you're paying you know, lots of money per hour for a yeah. recording space. You can do a lot of that on your own at home so that by the time you get to the recording studio, you've already worked out a lot yeah. of those ideas. You're just trying to get it down on tape. Yeah. Okay, so the rules with lightning round is you have to answer like, one word, two words, gotcha. and first thing that come to mind. Uh-oh. No cheating. Okay, so you okay. can censor this later. If you <laughs> I can. You tell me. <laughs> we'll start. Well, it's a, it's easy stuff. Um, what's the last book you read? Uh, Eastern Body, Western Mind by Anodea Judith. Uh, what was the last song you listened to? Uh, the Eye by Brandy Carlisle. Last movie you saw? <laughs> the last movie I saw was the new Jumanji movie with The Rock. It says, but because there's the word Jew in it, so it's connected to Judaism, Jew Manji. But on, yes. that, on that note, um, the new Queer Eye for a Straight Guy yeah. on Netflix, yeah. I never thought I would like a reality TV show. It's uh-huh. incredible. It's Is it the same good. cast as the original? It's different, mm-hmm. all new, and it's like they're, they're 
going deep now. Okay. Deep dive. It's spiritual and beautiful. Whoa. I cry at every episode. Wow. Just going to say that. What's your guilty pleasure song, the song you're embarrassed to love? Reflections from the Mulan movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> when will my reflection show? And now I owe them a million dollars. What's your most used emoji? Uh, the like namaste, thank you one. Yes, I love that one. This was awesome. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you on the podcast and how much I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you. This was fun. This is Aneni by Noah Aronson.
That's it for this episode of Jewish Songwriter. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. On the next episode of Jewish Songwriter, I had made a promise to myself I would not become a professional Jew. Jewish Songwriter is produced by Sheldon Lowe, edited by Ben Mazak of Native Sound on Historic Cherokee Street in St. Louis, Missouri, and distributed by Hallelujah Music. Until next time, keep writing out there and thanks for listening. Every little part of my body Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.